This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all blow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. One moment, please, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls. I must now inform you that I am extremely displeased. No one ever claimed that life was fair. Certainly no one ever claimed that I was. What do you want? Secrets are best kept in the grave. Folks, welcome to Cinema Degeneration's Howling at the Full Moon. This is episode number two, and we are going to be reviewing Blood Dolls this evening. Um, welcoming back my original co-host in crime, Dustin Hubbard. Say hi to everybody, Dustin. Hello, everybody. Glad to be back. Yep, we, we didn't scare you away with the first one, so now we got you. Definitely. I'll always <laughs> come back. <laughs> <laughs> anything's full moon you'll be there right absolutely through thick and thin and good and bad 
Oh yeah, I I'm actually just ordered um, Head of the Family. I, I I finally watched watched it uh, streaming and whatnot. I'm like, yep, this is one that deserves to to be on the you know uh, complete rotation or on permanent rotation. I I should say. I enjoyed that one, but we're 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 not reviewing Head of the Family, at least not quite yet. Uh, we're going to be doing 1999's Blood Dolls, directed by Full Moon Extraordinaire Charlie Band. Uh, we were going to wait wait a little while to do one that old Charlie had uh, directed, but you know why wait? Uh, this is a uh, one of my favorites, actually, I, I remember uh, not liking it very much the first time I saw it. For some reason, I watched it the first time and was kind of like, didn't quite understand what I was getting into. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but, you know, it was uh, 21 years ago. So who knows uh, what frame of mind I was in. It's it's definitely and and everything and the kitchen sink kind of movie it's a little weirder and more uh unique than than your average weird full moon movie so it's definitely got uh, a lot of strange elements so i can understand probably being a little thrown off back in the day it might have been something you had to kind of go back and revisit and appreciate more as a as an older uh, adult yeah, you know, uh, being 21 years older than I was when I, because I, you know, I was uh, always a full moon enthusiast, so I was always watching everything as soon as it hit the video shelves. I think I was expecting a demonic toys puppet master kind of movie, and although it does have puppets in it, you know, it it's more than that. And I appreciate it more now, as you put it, as an older adult. It's very complex. It, I, I like what you said about it kind of being a everything including the kitchen sink thrown in it's very much so that because you got yeah. a serial killer you got hitmen, you got a man with a shrunken head you got puppets little people you got a weird band that uh, no pun intended a weird band that's kind of held captive and plays music but we're, we're going to get it all into that i'm going to read the quick imdb synopsis which is as follows. Virgil, an eccentric freak billionaire, spends his days as a biological inventor. The Blood Dolls, his newest creation, aid him in getting revenge on those who have betrayed him. And that really doesn't give away too much. You kind of feel like that's a, I feel like that's a a fair synopsis, but it doesn't, it tells you everything, but doesn't show you anything. (laughs) True, yeah, it's very, very bare bones, but it kind of gets the point across. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, well, let's first get on, get started with Virgil Travis. Uh, it was played by Christopher Logan, and uh, I, 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 I get weirded out by him. He's a, a weird little actor. Uh, he's just got a very strange presence. Uh, he uh, gives me a very weird vibe, you know. Uh, he's just one of those guys I think was born to play bad guys he was born to play heavies and he was also in a couple other uh full moon movies the only one that comes to mind right now was puppet master three there was a couple others though wasn't there correct he was also in crash and burn for band and he also was one of the uh posse of ghosts that worked in 
the Haunted Casino or Dead Man's Hand Casino of the Damned, whichever version you want to consider. He was the, <laughs> I, I forget, I think he was like the Blackjack dealer, maybe, something like That's that. That's right. That's right. I've actually only seen Haunted Casino once. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's one we may save for m- much much later date. That was not one of my favorites. Uh, Left a bit to be desired. Good yeah, cast. I mean, yeah, great <laughs> cast and and a great idea, but just felt like it was um, underdeveloped. But this yeah. is not a movie that was underdeveloped. I think this was overdeveloped. Uh, not saying that in a bad way, uh, but you know, let's 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 talk about the 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 main core of the story. You got the lovely. Uh, the late Deborah Mayer, who is no longer with us, she passed away in uh, 2015, as Myra, Myra Yulin. She is the main reason to watch this movie. She chews up the scenery. She is like like Denzel Washington in Training Day. Nothing else matters. You know, she just chews it up and spits everything out. She is a man and lady killer. She's just, you don't you don't mess with Myra. Uh, she is a woman to be reckoned with. Was that? Yeah, this movie was her crown jewel of acting performances. Oh yeah, if there was ever a uh, a B movie Oscars to be held, that she would have won it. Uh, this this was yeah, this was her epic. But um, she is trying to, I guess you could say, infiltrate Virgil Travis's empire. And uh, she's a sly little thing, man. She she's uh, a, a dominatrix of sorts. She is married to a very uh, sheepish kind of man named Harrison Yulin, who I can't, to be quite honest, I can't stand his character. She treats him like garbage, and I love every single moment of it. Uh, <laughs> she beats him. She whips him. She degrades him. But, uh, you know, his his little idiosyncratic uh, little thing that he does, the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, God. Every every time he does that, she beats him, and I wanted to beat him for her. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know sounds horrible, but... Understandable. He's an obnoxious character, but the, the humor there is, is I guess that we hate him as much as she does. Yes. And, and it works. <laughs> it works. Vir- Virgil, getting back to Virgil, he is a man who nobody ever sees. He's an eccentric billionaire who just lost a chunk of his fortune, and he is trying to get that get revenge for losing that. You know, I think it was uh, supposed to be a, like a billion dollar loss, and yep. you know, n- nobody ever would or could take a billion dollar loss lightly. But he's an eccentric fellow in the fact that he has, you know, he has. Uh, a helper named Mascaro, Mr. Mascaro, played by William Paul Burns. Now, I don't think he ever uh, did another Full Moon movie besides Blood Dolls. He doesn't have a, a really extensive uh, acting credit list. He, he he didn't. He worked more in theater. When we discuss more of the sequels and offshoots, we can discuss him a bit more because Mascaro does appear in another movie. Well, yeah, um, I, I made a note of something about that. We'll get into that in a little bit. But he he's he, him and Myra are the two characters that shine through, even though Virgil Travis is kind of the main heavy and, you know, the center of attraction. You mm-hmm. know, 
I really feel like Mascaro is the is the character to watch. If 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 him or Myra are on cam- on camera, they just they're dynamite. And it's, and speaking of dynamite, we got full moon royalty in this movie. We got Phil Fondacaro, which he makes everything he's in better. Uh, he uh, plays uh, Hylas. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, wrong but I'm trying because I massacre people's names. But uh, he is the mediator of, of sorts. He is kind of an Igor of sorts for Virgil. But he, uh, how would you dis- describe it? Um, he is the um, keeper of the Blood Dolls, the band, okay. which I, I guess we should talk about the band. Uh, this is another movie, much like our the first movie we reviewed, Bad Channels, where it, I think it was a movie that was made to sell CDs. It was made to sell music. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Virgil Travis has a a band called the Blood Dolls, which is made up of, uh, what, four different band members. There's, uh, wait, Razor Baby, Cotton Baby. I'm going off of pure memory here. Black Baby, and then there's one more. I can't remember. And Shirley. Shirley, that's it. <laughs> that, that was why I, I didn't get. You know, I was like, the other one was like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." But they're they're a band that's held captive. They are basically a living, breathing iPod playlist. That anytime Virgil decides he wants to be entertained, he hollers out, "Play track number four And Hylas, you know, goes in with a cattle prod and shocks these poor girls that usually give him all sorts of shit. Gives them all sorts of slack, you know. Like they they scream at them, they curse at them every time they you know like play track number seven. They're like, nah, nah, we ain't gonna do it. All it takes is one jolt from the uh, cattle prod, and they play their playlist. It's uh, basically an eccentric, crazy, shrunken-headed uh, billionaire's living iPod, which they're the, is, they're the soundtrack to his life. Yeah, they're the soundtrack to his life. Which sounds crazy, but that's exactly what the what it is. Let's face it. We we also have uh, other um, horror movie royalty in this. We got Nicholas Worth, who has a very very small part uh, as George Warbeck, as an, one of the, I guess you could say the other eccentric millionaires that ri- ripped off Virgil, and he he he, he dies if I remember correctly. By dumbbell to the forehead. Yeah, uh, drops a dumbbell on his head. <laughs> now you will know this. Uh, you'll remember the names more than, than I will. What are the names of our little uh, band of merry merry men or band of uh, blood dolls? Uh, you have uh, pimp, pimp doll. And you have uh, sideshow. And misfortune. Yep, that was the one I was that was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I, I've noticed about full moon movies, and you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, a thing I've noticed is that they have an idea. It usually c- centers around eccentric rich folks and their family uh, or band of. Maniacal freaks. I rather kind of enjoy the, that concept, you know, is this that there's just like with Head of the Family and other other films that they've made. Uh, 
you know, there's usually there there's an eccentric family of sorts, and there's they're a band of freaks. And I keep using the word band, and it's not intentional, but it's there. <laughs> uh, but what I love about this film is I I enjoy the concept of having a band of ro- rock and rollers captive as a means to have this like living iPod around at all times. You know, his, his soundtrack to his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know there's so much going on with this movie it's not just about the the evil you know virgil who's you know trying to right the wrongs against him but there's you know there's two evil forces meeting there's it's really a movie with no good guys you know essentially everybody is a varying shade of gray am i right yes i think everyone is someone who's out for themselves and they've all got kind of uh their their own uh agendas i think upon rewatching it too i think that it's weird but in a in a strange way i think the slight bit of emotional center center to the movie and maybe the most sympathetic character to a degree is mr mascaro because he's he does have a kind way about him if the if it suits the the moment but uh he just works for an asshole. So, <laughs> like, he just... Uh, and he is a dedicated man. He is a dedicated is. man. The, the, you know, uh, he, he works for an asshole, but he's dedicated to to Virgil. I mean, to the bitter end. To the end, yeah. I do like how the movie starts off with uh, they're going in to talk to Virgil and nobody, quote-unquote, ever sees Virgil, ever talks to him. And if they do... They don't really ever talk to him face to face. He has a mask, a whole like a helmet of a mask that fits over his head because he, while he has a normal sized body, he looks like the character at the end of Beetlejuice. He has kind of a shrunken head that looks like it has the worst case of psoriasis you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so when they're going to talk to him at the beginning, you know, they this character says i forgot that character's name because he's 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 gone in a matter of seconds he he i wrote down this line of dialogue he says when do they start biting the heads off of chickens and the girl just literally turns and looks and is like you think they don't and that's that's when i think he realizes like oh okay yeah i'm in a little bit of trouble here i would i would say they start off with a pretty gory death scene you know there's there's moments in full moon films that you know, where they skimp on the gore and they, you know, they really rely on gags in the comedy more. But in this one, it was fairly gory. Uh, it was gorier than I remembered. Uh, maybe with a title like Blood Dolls, I should have expected, uh, you know, it, it, it had just been some years and it was gorier than I remember. Uh, but the poor guy, he he dies pretty uh, nastily. But, you know, he, he was probably the one one character that really maybe didn't deserve it because he didn't even know what he was getting into. He was just an assistant, but you know, his death was also a point of, uh, censorship in a lot of other countries. His death was pulled back a lot in foreign cuts and a lot of those, really? the blood ladder was removed. Yeah. When Howard dies. So I didn't know that. You don't really hear much about a, a full moon movie being censored, other than I remember uh, Castle Freak being censored for the some of the graphic nudity and um, and, yeah. and 
the, the kill scenes and whatnot, but yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. But um, what I actually, <laughs> I will say often, it's not the writing that usually grabs me with a, <clears throat> with a full moon movie. It's, you know, the visuals, it's the colorful characters, the set designs, the music, uh, the effects, the puppets, all those things. But this movie really shined through with the writing. I thought the story was very complex. It was a, a neat back and forth between Virgil and Myra. And I liked, you know, the whole time she's trying to work Virgil and Virgil's trying to work her. And it's kind of a very cat and mouse, you know, and a kind of a give and take, you know, Virgil is smitten with, uh, with her when he, when he finally meets her. And let's face it, Myra is hungry. She just wants, she wants money. She wants power and she'll get it any way she can. And I think that's also a reason why she hates uh, Harrison, uh, who is her husband, because he's, let's just face it, he's very weak. And yes. she takes, she she takes as much pleasure in like you. I think you you put it best. You know she she hates him and we hate him. So we 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 kind of enjoy it in seeing him just uh, belittled and demeaned. Totally, Which, and it's one thing. One thing that's funny is is in the first part of the movie where before Virgil is aware of the fact that you know Moira is such a a mastermind behind everything, he thinks that it's Harrison. <laughs> Even though she's the one, she's basically Harrison's puppet master. You know, he he's her puppet, yep. and she's been using him as the figurehead to to do all of these dirty business deals and rip Virgil off with the with her cohorts. And you know, my, one of my favorite moments is when Virgil's like, you know, I think Mascaro says something about Harrison and Moira's or uh, not Moira. Uh, Virgil's like oh, a masterful disguise, <laughs> referring to his stupidity because he, he thinks he's he thinks he's putting on a show, but he's really just that stupid. And then eventually Virgil figures out that he was stupid, <laughs> and Moira was the brains all along. Well, yeah, because there's the one scene where she's literally feeding Harrison his lines, you know, telling him to question uh, or each question that he's supposed to ask and how he's supposed to reply. And while, yep. you know, just with a little earpiece, he, he really was, as you put it, just another puppet. Yep. And I'm sure that was, you know, exactly how it was meant to be, you know, because let's face it, Full Moon's legacy is puppets. And that guy, and Harrison was just a living puppet. And, you know, I got to say, though, the quote that I wrote down was, poor Harrison, really just a living puppet. But what a way to go. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it. He's he, you know, because he let's face it, you know, uh, he he's a submissive, and Myra is the the dominatrix, and she puts him in this this getup. She chains him up and leaves him to basically be killed by the puppets. Just leaves him in this like network of like it's like a big, basically like almost like a saw movie before, long before there was a saw movie, and with yeah, these it's like wires. Yeah, like a wire torture thing. <laughs> yeah, and so the the puppets show up and just keep turning that crank until the the wires cut him to shreds. And you know what a way what what a way to go. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those like you know hate to see you go. Don't like to watch you leave either. But 
I I think you know uh, the 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 humor within a full moon movie is, is always there. It's you know there's always some tongue in cheek humor, and I think the one of the funniest scenes is we mu- we gotta say something about Mr. Mascaro. He has clown makeup on all the te- all the time, and yes. you know he's always got this colorful clown makeup on, and it's very well done. And he has to infiltrate, you know, these millionaires' mansion to, you know, uh, to disable and disarm the alarm system so that the puppets can go in and do their job. So he's like, "You got to put on a mask." So his way of putting on a mask is just going in fresh faced normal as himself without the clown makeup on <laughs> so after he you know so after he you know does his deed and afterwards and he was like god it was sure you know nice to get that mask off and he's putting his you know he's obviously more comfortable with the makeup on yep it, it was just a great little it was this great little tidbit that he was you know showing how comfortable he was in the makeup and how uncomfortable he was with his normal face out which is you know was great great little thing yeah it's like he's naked without the clown face on and he has the yeah he has the greatest line of dialogue there's a he you know mr mascaro infiltrates the millionaire's mansion he he you know messes up their alarm system and their security and whatnot and he kills a guy within a second as he's you know strangling him he has this great line where he says there's two kind of people i know about little man the kind that piss their pants when you kill them and the kind that don't what kind do you think you are he drops into the ground and just goes pisser it's (laughs) it's lines like that i maybe i'm just a sick individual i don't know about you dustin but i love lines like that it's just like uh it it just gets me every time yeah it adds some additional quirk to already quirky characters <laughs> right right now do you have that's my fa- that's alone one of my two favorite scenes in the movie is that scene with mr mascaro do you have a favorite scene in the movie um honestly my favorite moment is the the big finale honestly and the the switcheroo the, with what the alternate, yeah like the kind of alternate ending so to speak my favorite shots are actually of when Hylas gets hit with the guitar and takes the flying <laughs> yeah. toss across the room. I, and each each time it's from a different direction. I love that's my favorite shots in the whole movie are of Hylas taking his dive. Yeah, that's actually a very good one too. That's well, and let's get into that. The, the there is an alternate ending. Actually, a whole like they they end the movie. Um, Myra, you know, is trying to convince uh, Virgil, you know, to make this deal with her, basically a deal with the devil. But he releases a, like a poison gas that's basically going to kill everybody. And again, this goes goes with what we were talking about earlier about Mr. Mascaro, you know, is very dedicated. You know, they release the poison gas. It's going to kill Virgil. It's going to kill Mascaro. It's going to kill Hylas and everybody, not just Myra. Everybody's going to die. And just like Hylas and Mascaro are just like, we're with you, boss. We're here to the bitter end. You know, they're they're yep. they're ready to die. They think it's like, you know, great. This is the last roundup. Let's go. And that's pretty much what happens, you know, in our first ending. And then we're 
it cuts to black. You think it's the end. And Mr. Mascaro shows up talking to the audience and basically, you know, uh, explains this like, you know, this isn't, you know, we had two endings and we couldn't just decide what we wanted to do. So this is the ending that I prefer. You know, I I love how Mascaro's is telling it from his point of view. And it's like, this is the ending that I really prefer. And it's kind of, it plays off kind of like, uh, like the ending of Clue, the 80s movie Clue with Tim Curry. You know, it's just like, okay, you know, here's the ending you just saw, but now we're going to present you with this alternate ending. And to be quite honest, I like the, the, you know, the, the, the bonus ending that we're given. I like that ending a lot better. It, it's just... Yeah, it's tricky for me. I, I love them both i like the idea of the girls escaping with the dolls but the unfortunate part with that is is everyone else dies so uh, i like the ending you know i like the alternate ending though too where everyone lives and everyone seems to be still somewhat um a symbiotic unit that's not quite (laughs) turned on each other completely and with the implication of him and why we're getting married and actually probably going on to do some other kind of nefarious corporate evil after that. Yeah. You know, I, I like that. I like that idea that these two evil bastards kind of find each other and actually find a way to like not kill each other and to not do each mm. other in and join forces. And that's the one thing that is nice about it, but it's, it, it's somewhat disappointing because we never got to see the continuing adventures of Virgil and Myra. You, you know, uh, I would have loved to have seen another movie where they were the two main antagonists and that we had like, you know, uh, there was always so many crossovers, you know, the, there could have been a blood dolls meets demonic toys or blood dolls meets puppet master. There's so many versus movies within the uh, full moon universe. It just seems like a shame that it didn't catch on because I, I thought they made a great duo and the fact that, you know, it's two, two evil people find each other and decide to not do something for the greater good. They decide to do something for the greater evil. Yeah. And the fact that we never got uh, a proper sequel will always be one of the, the greatest uh, missed opportunities in full moon history, in my opinion, because it definitely needed a few sequels. Yes. Let's get into, uh, you know a little bit more about this than, than, than I do. There's, um, I, I just know about what I've, I've read and what I actually no- noticed just by watching it before I read some online trivia and some Wikipedia and IMDB stuff. But the, the Mr. Mascaro is actually uh, supposed to be the, the human version or the living version of the Jack in the Box from Demonic Toys. Now, is there more to that than, um, I, than I'm than I'm you know than than I'm even getting from it? To be honest, I have never heard that mentioned outside of like some IMDb trivia and random comparisons of the two. Um, so I think makeup was very similar. I thought maybe they were just trying to imitate the look. I never thought that he was the human version, but like. Uh, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I've always kind of assumed that was maybe more of a thematic comparison 
because the toys themselves were, I mean, if, if you want to get technical with that franchise, they were never really uh, humans that, you know, became toys or anything like that, sort of like Andre Toulon's puppets who were humans and, you know, became puppets. Uh, they, there's really no comparable uh, scenario there. So I always just kind of assumed that people drew a, a comparison between maybe the, the makeup and look design of the two and considered him more of a human version. Cause I mean, if you want to get super technical like that, I guess Virgil Travis is sort of like a human version of pinhead. Cause he's a big guy with a tiny head. Well, you know, I, I kind of thought that too. And I, I, I had wrote that down and I'm like Virgil slash pinhead I actually made that note. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I figured it was just you know for them kind of recirculating a, a certain look, and they were just like, well, hey, you know, this will, you know, I also thought he, you know, uh, Mascaro's look kind of was even a little bit like um, another Full Moon character, Killjoy, slightly, not complete yeah. comparison, but you know, the, the the similarities are there. Sure. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, maybe yeah, some of probably more so the earlier incarnation of pin or not pinhead uh earlier incarnation of killjoy like around the very first first film uh when he was played by angel vargas before the trent haga installments yeah he kind of looks like that a little bit and now and we we should make it be known that we're talking about pinhead the puppet from puppet master and not hellraiser for those of you who are uh full moon newbies yes definitely not that one (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- totally different pinhead. Totally different pinhead. Uh, <laughs> now, the one thing I thought was kind of funny was Myra thought she was being so sly. The look, the look on her face, it, to me, when she gets found out by Virgil was priceless. <laughs> you know, she had that look like, oh, God, like maybe I didn't quite plan this out. I think, you know, she was so used to getting her way and so used to being one step ahead of everybody. I think she really admired the fact, like, she admired the fact that Virgil figured her out. Which Yeah. that That's what makes them perfect for each other. So, <laughs> there are two absolute criminal masterminds who uh, actually got one over on each other, so... Yeah, and I think that's why they ended up being together. They were just like that's why I like the the kind of bonus clipped on ending the alternative ending better. Is it's like they kind of recognize that and it's like you know, there's nobody as maniacal as you, and there's nobody as maniacal as me. We both deserve to be together, and it just the idea of like you know these two evil ent- entities coming together. And you think it's gonna you know clash and everything, and at the end they really you know they do clash, but then they like. You know, it's usually you find characters that find a common good to bond over. No, they found, like, their love of power and evil to to bond over, which I I guess I kind of like that kind of, that kind of ending, that that kind of concept of, you know, this this is a world filled with just bad people and worse people. And this is where two worse people find love somehow. Yep, common bonding over greed and power. (laughs) So... The, the one thing, again, that I have to go back to is the, the living iPod girls, the blood doll girls. They're, they're crazy. They're crazy. I, I love the scenes when they're just kind of lounging around and, quite frankly, just fucking with each other. 
antagonizing one another. And uh, <laughs> they kind they're of, bad. They kind of huh? just seem like bratty kids, you know, like bratty, bratty kids locked up in a, in a cage. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. They're just a bunch of like petulant children that they keep together in a cage and occasionally, you know, zap them with a cattle prod and make them perform. They, they don't have a lush life, but they don't even have a bad life because they're always like perfectly groomed. They're not you know, beat up, they're not, not, uh, you know, not being fed or nothing. They're, they're just not let go they're, And and they seem fine with it, you know, but it's, it's just an interesting dynamic. And I, I kind of like, it's one of those ideas that it makes me just go, no, I wish I had thought of that. That's yep. just, it's a damn good idea. It's uh, definitely something that no one had ever seen before. <laughs> So your own all girl sort of like uh, rock band prisoners. And yeah, they were totally, they seemed like they were okay with it. They, they didn't necessarily like being in a cage, but uh, they just sort of rolled with it until the yeah. option came up for them to maybe not have to be in a cage towards the end. So uh, then at the end, they take it out on poor Hylas. I mean, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, I, I think of, uh, the, the scene you were talking about that you said you were, was your favorite it was when they hit him point blank with the the guitar in both endings they you know they smash him with the guitar and he goes flying in one direction and then of course they the alternate ending they smash him with the guitar and he just quite frankly goes flying in the other direction and they throw poor phil phil around just <laughs> i'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall that day and seen how exactly they did that because like, like, how did they throw Phil Fondacaro across the room? Like, I want to know how that was executed. I want to see like the full, the full scope of how that was done. Yeah, and I, I, I wanted to see that on the full moon video zone. They didn't show that. I wanted to see that part. They did not, sadly. But <laughs> oh, okay. now I, I made a couple of notes that. Mm. Uh, this and one thing didn't make sense to me. It said it was spun off from head of the family. What is what connection is there that I missed? Yeah, um, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't can't... see. I didn't see one. I, I, I quite frankly didn't see any kind of connection. It's very loose, and I think that uh, you'd have to be like really uh, keen with the promotional and merchandising aspects of full moon to make the connection um and i can't remember it says spun off so i'm assuming that maybe blood dolls came out a little bit after head i can't remember which one preceded the other virgil has dialogue where he talks about his dear mother eugenia uh and how she grew him in a jar eugenia is who myron stackpool aka the head of the family will eventually marry in bride of the head of the family and a lot of the uh promo video for the test shoot that they did some 20 odd years ago there was footage of eugenia uh they actually used to sell mace i think they still do actually sell uh head and bride of the head replica uh resin statues of myron and eugenia so eugenia is Virgil's mother, she, his mother will marry 
the head, and she is a large head herself. Uh-huh. Um, she's a she's a I'm a, I'm going to assume because the movie's not actually been made yet. Uh, it's been in development hell, I think, for roughly about the past twenty years until the the Deadly Ten came about. So we're waiting for that to get made. You know, it's on standby until the pandemic's over with, and it'll be one of the ones coming up. But um, I don't know if Blood Dolls would take place before or after, but being that Virgil says he was grown in a jar, I will say that he's not probably Myron's biological son. He's just Eugenia's son. So it could maybe take before or after Head, uh, because he would already presumably be alive. Uh, but if you see, if you've seen the promotional poster for Bride of the Head, Virgil, no, is, not. Virgil is actually standing behind Myron and Eugenia. So he's actually on the poster. So I would hope, fingers crossed, that uh, Virgil will make an appearance in that film when it's made. Oh, nice. I knew there had, I figured if anybody knew, you would know. Because <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, I, I've seen both movies and I'm just like, I don't. I don't get the connection, but with full moon movies, there's so many interwoven storylines and references and spinoffs and whatnot. It's, it is easy even for, I think the most diehard of fans to probably get lost from time to time. Yeah. And like I said, you probably really would only be aware of that, those details if you, you know, followed, you know, like rapidly a lot of, like I said, the promotional and merchandise aspects because eugenia that it doesn't exist in head of the family she's never mentioned she doesn't you know she hasn't been introduced and he just speaks of her in blood dolls but through it's it's through a lot of the promotional stuff for the head sequel that hasn't gotten made yet that it's kind of suggested so (laughs) but still hey you know they always got that there they got it where you know they could always bring the people back you know i'm sure uh uh, what's his name? Uh, God, I almost forgot uh, Logan's name. Christopher Logan, that uh, plays Virgil, would probably be very uh, eager to probably come back. He hasn't uh, done. He hasn't been in a full moon movie in years, so it would be nice to see him back in something. Yeah, uh, his last movie was the Haunted Casino, so I would I would be very much pleased to see. Chris Logan slash Jack Martyrin, because for some reason he used a stage name on this film. Um, I, I did see that, but I was I didn't I didn't know why. I mean, considering he's done uh, a couple other full moon movies where he's used his real name, but uh, that's he, actor's life. I, yeah, I think he was Jack Martyrin for both this and. Um, Haunted Casino, because I believe he is billed as Chris Chris Logan or Christopher Logan for Crash and Burn and Puppet Master 3. And it could be a union thing, maybe. Maybe he eventually went union and... Oh, yeah. or, or maybe the later films weren't unionized and he was a union actor and couldn't appear in them legally, so maybe he took a stage name so that he could still appear without uh, potential... Uh, repercussions maybe yeah, so, right yeah wouldn't use it uh or uh not use it but uh lose his uh union status yeah but, you know that's what whatever you got to do to keep working more power to you yep well we, we've 
we talked about the movie from beginning to end. We've talked about the alternate ending. Uh, I think we can probably go into our our final reviews of it, as as we do do here. Uh, rules are is uh, guests give their final review and rating first. So I'm going to put it to you, Dustin. Uh, where what's your final review of Blood Dolls, and what do you rate it on a scale from one to ten? Uh, I think Blood Dolls is, in essence, it's classic Full Moon. It's everything you would expect from them. It's weird characters. It's puppets. It's tits. It's strange plot lines. Quirky scenarios. Wild music. It just, the whole movie has a look and a vibe to it that really defines for me like what I think of when I think of Full Moon. Uh, it's a Full Moon movie through and through, and I think it's Honest to God, it's one of the best movies Charles Band's directed in his 40-plus year career. I think it's one of the major high marks uh, of his career as a director. For me, I think it's a solid nine. I would have to agree with a lot of what you said. It It is kind of quintessential full moon. It's got a little bit of everything that I like. It's got interesting killers. It's got uh, inventive kills. It's got a couple of full moon royalties got Phil in it. It's got Nicholas Worth in it. And, you know, it's got Logan in it. It's It's got the crazy music, puppets, you know, dominatrixes. Uh, it's got a little bit of, like you said, it's got a little bit of everything that you expect from a full moon movie. Uh, I would also agree it is probably the finest direction from Charles. You know, I, I have movies of his that he's directed that I like better, but as far as like being a well-polished film, I think this was Charlie at his finest. He just, it just seemed like a little bit of extra care and a little bit of extra love went into it. This is one of his, his epics. And um, I'm right about there with you. I give it an eight out of 10 and you know, it's, I like it a lot more now than I did when I was younger. I don't know what frame of mind I was in when I saw it, you know, in, in my 20s. And uh, I, I would like to kick my 20-year-old self in the ass for not appreciating, appreciating this more back then. Uh, but I think my, my t film tastes have uh, refined a little bit more over the years, or maybe they're a little bit more unrefined. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you know what? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I myself, I also have, you know, there are a couple movies I remember of Full Moon seeing them in the 90s as a kid, and they didn't really click with me at the time. And it took me time to grow up and actually go back and review them and uh, have better appreciation for them, like Netherworld and uh, Dr. Mordred, Mandroid, a lot of those, because they were more, I think, fantasy and sci-fi related. So I was less interested in them. And then it took me growing up and looking at them with a, a new set of eyes to be like, okay, you know, I can, I can actually appreciate what was, what was trying to be executed here. Yeah. You know, I think, I think every movie, especially if it's been many years since you've seen it, if it's been a decade or more or less, even more than a decade and you have mm. a film that you've seen that you maybe didn't think too much of, I suggest to anybody revisit a film. Give it a second chance. 
you know, maybe if you just watch something you don't like it, give it some time, let it stew a little bit and watch it again. You might just find yourself loving it a little bit more. Uh, I remember, you know, back in the day when I, in the eighties, I can't remember when transfers came out, 84, 85. Uh, but I, I saw it then I was eight or nine years old. Didn't, didn't care for transfers, hated it, hated transfers with a passion. When I was a kid, saw it again about <laughs> probably eight or nine years later, about 92 or 93, whenever transfers two came out. Cause I was a hardcore full moon fan by then. And I'm like, Transfers 2, and I'm like, eh, I don't remember liking the first one. So I yep. went back and watched it, and I'm like, I love this movie. Like, yep. yeah, just seeing it with a new set of eyes. Sometimes, you know, you're just, you're in different places in time, and you're a different person, you know, and uh, yeah, I suggest to anybody, if, especially if, if you've seen Blood Dolls, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't remember liking that movie very much. Give it a second chance. It's It's a movie that definitely deserves a second chance. Blood Dolls is an interesting movie in the overall canon for Full Moon as well for uh, two points. Um, the first being uh, the fact that they actually had uh, a guest filmmaker visit the set and actually make a documentary about the film. Are you familiar with that? No, I am not. I'd love to hear about it, though. They actually had, uh, I don't know what the scenario was that brought her into the fold. But Penelope Spheris actually spent some time on the set. Uh, Wait, director decline of Western civilization and Wayne's world. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yes. Uh, I she spent some time on the set. Uh, I don't know how long, but uh, on the DVD, there is a, a feature called Holly weird. And it's a, it's a documentary short that she directed where she actually basically made a movie you know, a documentary kind of expose about the weird behind the scenes goings on of making a very bizarrely wacky, super low budget Hollywood B horror film. And she interviews a lot of the, the cast and crew. And it's just, uh, it was a very, I've always wondered if there were, was a longer version <laughs> because the, the DVD documentary short is only about six minutes long so and i feel like she had to have had a lot more footage so but yeah she spent some time there and uh kind of absorbed because you know documentaries are definitely uh of interest to her and kind of looking at you know topics and things like that that uh might have really appealed to people and she was fascinated by the the low budget angle of what was being done so that and the second is that the girls themselves in the band when was being put together the original idea behind the film was you know much like you had mentioned before with uh bad channels or bad channels was kind of like a crazy movie that was used as a um launching pad marketing tool for moonstone records full moons then record label uh blood dolls was fashioned to feature an all-girl band that Full Moon intended on actually being a real band, and they had planned to actually have them a record deal, send them on tour, and actually, you know, be a real musical lineup that you could go out to a concert to and see perform with those actresses as 
the band. There are, I want to say that the specific details aren't uh, out there, I don't think. Um, or I could be forgetting. <laughs> but um, there's there's been a lot of speculation that one of the girls might have uh, wanted a little more out of it than might have worked. And they actually, uh, because of their very powerful lawyer, uh, a proper deal couldn't be set up to actually have the girls um, be, a, be an actual musical um line up and actually go on tour and everything uh vanessa taylor who uh is the one that exposes her breasts earlier in the movie to howard she was a big figure she was a big figure in a lot of the surrender cinema films like the femalian films uh she was uh cara the femalian the lead femalian um she had been involved in some tabloid scandals and stuff but she she had reach uh, and she had some money and she had a very very powerful lawyer that she had on her side her lawyer was actually the guy who uh, defended michael jackson during his uh case with the child back in the day and oh, got him she, she had herself in an expensive lawyer <laughs> he had a very very powerful lawyer and uh, there's been speculation that there were a lot of things regarding her and her lawyer that just didn't really pan out to to make that deal work. But they intended on it to be a bigger, bigger thing. And, you know, if some of those aspects like that and stuff had worked out, we might have seen more more blood dolls down the line. Um, but unfortunately, it, I guess, just wasn't meant to be because um, have you ever seen the documentary Kings of Cult that band did with Roger Corman? Yes, yes, I've seen it once. Yes, there's, there's, they fielded a lot of fan questions, and one of them was, you know, will there ever be a Blood Dolls too? And uh, very bluntly, point blank, and very short answered, band's response was no, no, there will not ever be a Blood Dolls too. <laughs> the end. Um, so, and I think at this point, it would never work because I wouldn't want a Blood Dolls too without Deborah Mayer in it. So. Yeah, I yeah, I, I can't ever see it. I mean, as much as I would love to see a, a Blood Dolls 2 without Deborah Meyer, it, it just plain wouldn't work for me. You know, between her and Mascaro, they're two characters that are just a must for that. And with the loss of her, it doesn't, yeah, it just would not work. Not at all. I guess, if anything, we maybe we'll get some Virgil when Bride is completed and you can always get a little more mascara with uh raven wolf towers so now i actually uh, have not seen raven wolf towers so i'm gonna have to put that on my list highly highly recommended it's very good it's very classy it's a very well shot very good atmosphere great cast basically picture a hollywood high-rise apartment building that's literally just packed to the brim with tenants that are nothing but full moon universe characters that sounds beautiful <laughs> mascaro is one of them uh mascaro and another key key uh tenant is uh dr Lorca from hideous and demonic toys 2 oh okay 
Actually, I was just uh, discussing Demonic Toys 2 uh, with my wife because uh, she's a big fan of Leslie Jordan. And I was just oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm like, he is actually in a Full Moon movie. I'm like, uh, like he's in Demonic Toys 2. He's now officially done two Full Moon movies with Demonic Demonic Toys 2 and Barbie and Kendra Save the Tiger King. So, Oh, I still got to see that. I saw that he was in that. <laughs> it looks... It looks it looks so bad, but so good. I can't wait to see it. He's one of the bizarre uh, celebrity voice casts too, because uh, he plays young. He plays the voice of young Joe Exotic, and oh, really? I believe, yeah. And Mindy Sterling also does a voice in it as well. Frau Farbrisner from the Austin Powers films. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I love it. Anything with Leslie, that guy is—he's a national treasure. I have uh, in, in, quite enjoyed his Instagram videos over all the the coronavirus thing. He—you could just turn a camera on that guy and tell him to read the phone book, and it would be goddamn entertaining. Dude, once the pandemic hit and he started doing his his like stories throughout quarantine and all that, he had like a total career resurgence again, and everyone like rediscovered how great leslie jordan always has been <laughs> like oh yeah so. he's he's amazing in everything he's you know he's one of those guys that no matter what he may be in a project that's not good but he's good in every project like he is yeah. just cinematic might, but yeah the movie even if the movie sucks he's still great in it <laughs> so right i can think like like for instance i'm a big friday the 13th fan i mm-hmm. love even the bad friday the 13th movies but let's face it, um, Jason Goes to Hell is one of the lower end quality of the Friday Thirteenth franchises or franchise. But Le- Leslie is great in it when, when he <laughs> with him and his wife in that diner. That they're just yeah. comedic gold together. You put him with somebody, and he make anybody look good. Leslie Jordan playing the straight husband <laughs> named, <laughs> named Pookie. <laughs> Is oh, all, I know. Pookie. Pookie. Pookie, I always see, and as a, as a kid, I always remembered seeing him in, aside from that, Ski School. Oh, God, I haven't seen that in 25, 30 years. Yeah, he's the best part of it. <laughs> there, there, was a, uh, there was a show with him. Damn, I'm trying to remember the name of it right now. It was a show with him and um, David Allen Greer and Vicki Lawrence. The Cool Kids, that was the name of it. But he played a character on there named Sid. It was just basically about you know, a bunch of pe- people at a, uh, an, at a retirement home, and one of their friends passes away. And mm. so a, a seat opens up at their table, and Vicki Lawrence shows up as the new, new kid on the block. And she joins them at the quote-unquote Cool Kids table. Now, everybody is great in it. Martin Mull is in it. Like I said, Vicky Lawrence is in it. Uh, it, it I can't remember. Uh, the, it was produced by the same people who do uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But Leslie Jordan, is Sid, is just great. He is just – he was the best he's ever been in anything. But and it's just, uh, but it's just sad, you know. The, 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 good, the, good, the good shows always do last one season. It's true. <laughs> Not all good things last forever, sadly. And sometimes you end up with, uh, you know, 
13 sequels to a, a bad franchise or a not so great franchise and then a great movie like blood dolls you'll end up with none so <laughs> I, I i was uh saying the other day there's you know there's certain movies can get a dozen sequels or spinoffs and one i was uh, I introduced to my wife to was the ice cream man with clint howard now, yeah. not the best movie in the world. It, it's it's actually not very mel- very well made, but it was yeah. so fun, so much fun, and so interesting, and so kooky and wacky. I always wanted to see a sequel to that, but we'll get you know seven or eight howling sequels. Yeah, that, no, that nobody asked for and nobody wanted. Clint Howard had run a campaign, uh, I want to say two or three years ago, to try and make a Ice Cream Man two. And it failed miserably. So, ah, uh, well, maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm alone <laughs> in the world and wanting us. Maybe me and Clint are the only two that want to see a sequel to that. <laughs> you know, I would have watched it, but I I will agree in that uh, it's a it's a, an amusing movie to watch, but it's not what I would call good. <laughs> it's one of those. It's like it falls into the category of so bad it's good. You know, it's it's like kooky wacky movie that you can watch once about every five years if you just want to you know drink some beer and eat some popcorn but it's not uh it's not highbrow by it's any definitely that coasts really really well off of having a really strangely stacked cast of people <laughs> that that are well, there because there's tons of celebrities in that movie well, so steve garvey in that if i remember right the the baseball player Ah, possibly. Yeah, I I seem to remember something about that. I, I it's been a few years since I've seen it, but but when you got people like you know uh, Steve Garvey, a baseball player, you had Olivia Hussey from you know Ro- Romeo and Juliet, you have porn star Tori Wells, you got you know Mr. Doctor Pepper and American World from London, David Naughton, and that you know it's uh yeah it was a uh, quite David- an eclectic. Yeah, Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> oh man, Samuel Bergman, Doug Llewellyn, <laughs> like just a That's weird. Right. Doug Llewellyn was in that. Wasn't yeah. Ken Forey in it too? Mm. I don't. Th- I'm, I'm, I might be wrong. I might be wrong on that. It's been a hot minute since I've watched that one. <laughs> oh man, maybe that's another. Maybe that's needs another revisit. It has been available at points on Full Moon streaming, so you never know. You might be able to find it on there still. <laughs> was that was that a Full Moon movie, or did they acquire it? it la- was, they acquired it later, didn't they? Yeah, it was not a Full Moon movie. It's just something that was part of uh, one of the many libraries they've licensed for uh, their streaming service. Yeah, so maybe we can review that one someday on a technicality. <laughs> Yeah, they've they've had a lot of like vinegar syndrome titles, a lot of st- something weird, a lot of blue underground. So, well, I saw recently online where they were they even had acquired uh, the Necromantic movies. I was yeah, like, they acquired a bunch of or a good handful of um, boot greets. I probably slaughtered his last name, but a lot of his films, yeah, like Necromantic one and two and Shram and. Uh, the Death King and stuff like that. So, and, and it's sort of an unspoken kind of rule with Full Moon too is that over the years, um, 
and it's it obviously doesn't stick but there's more of a there's a intended more of a focus on people being preyed on by non-humans um whereas you won't necessarily see full moon do like outright a slasher film where it's a person murdering multiple other people like person on person death per se uh that's not really of interest they want to see like creatures or monsters or think things like that you know kind of like be the bad guys so but there's been moments where those you know those that rule has kind of bent a little bit or been flexible so they they flex that rule a little bit but i would say 90 percent of the time you know it's it's not a whole lot of uh people on people violence which you know, I think that's one of the things I I love about Full Moon. I mean, there's there's a time and a place for everything, but you know, is this uh, you know, I think of Full Moon, I think of puppets, I think of subspecies, I think of toys gone wrong and evil. You know, there's always there's always something with a another kind of creature, another kind of entity, or another uh, just a, just another creature or something. It's, it's just never a lot of like person on person violence. And if yeah. there is, it's usually, you know, somebody just defending themselves. It's you know, like I said, it's never like slasher mode where it's like a, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, a hack and slash, you know, yeah. bands always preferred more of that fantasy kind of angle to it. So there was a, there was a point during the shadow entertainment regime when full moon briefly changed their name where they they released a movie called Cutthroat, and I think that was probably the only movie in their in their original canon of films that they did that was an outright slasher movie, person on person murdering, uh, and that was the the point. And that it, it was kind of like a scream ripoff on a horror movie set. Oh, okay. That was one I haven't seen. I, I wrote that one down as you were telling me. I have not seen that one. There's so many I haven't seen. There's so many I have seen, but God, there's there's just so much material out there and so few hours to absorb all of it. Yeah, and with Full Moon, I believe the count is 334 films produced total. And does that so, count any of the Empire like stuff, or is that this a strictly just full moon? Uh, strictly full moon, with the with the exception of probably uh, some specific titles that were brought back under the full moon banner, like the original Trancers, which was obviously Empire, but then they started making full moon sequels. So, like something like that would still count, but for the most part, generally originally produced things. There are a few few random pre-full moon ones at the at the front of that uh list but for the most part it's like 334 huh yeah i believe barbie and kendra was 334 so well we got enough enough material to keep us going on this show for a couple of years (laughs) 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 we got enough that we we, well you know we we may end up catching up with them but if you know uh if the present lineup of stuff that he's got going on, it shows that Charlie isn't slowing down. He's one of the few people I know that was still putting out uh, films during quarantine. Yep. Yep. They, they had to sideline all their deadly 10 films, but they still found a way to 
try and uh, work remotely and uh, still still make two movies, uh, you know, while being safe and, you know, kind of still poking some satire at the at the world. Love them or hate them, you know, for those yeah. for what those movies are worth. <laughs> now, I saw the Corona Zombies. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Hell of the Living Dead and zombie strippers, so I was all already familiar when I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, I see what they did there. I saw they they cut that together. <laughs> but you know, more power to them. You know, the, the world right now needs a uh, new content and new input. So, you know, somebody's got to be creating something out there, you know, albeit safely. Yep, that's true. And, you know, I can't I can't fault keeping busy and, you know, making movies. And they at the end of the day, they like them. And that's all that matters, because as far as, you know, uh, even myself being a producer, it's like, you know, and you, you make your own stuff as long as you like the stuff you're making. That's all that matters. And they like it. And that works for me. So. And it works for me, too. As long as I keep making movies, I'm going to keep watching them. And just like doing this show, I'm, I, as long as I enjoy doing it, I'm just going to keep on doing it, whether I get you know, 30 listens per month or three listens or 300, you know, as long as I'm having fun doing it, that's all that matters. Yep, that's all that's important. Well, I think we've exhausted about as much information as we can in one show for Blood Dolls and for Full Moon in general. Uh I want to thank you again for uh, joining me as my co-host. We'll do a, cu- a couple more of these here when you got some time off here in a few weeks. Um, yeah. Any uh, anything new that you got going on that you want to plug that we haven't plugged since the last time you were a guest? You know, um, goodness gracious, you know, just trying to get back on track with some of these things that have um fallen on the wayside honestly <laughs> i'm waiting to try and get get some productions you know back off the ground and moving again um but hopefully soon i'll be able to do my second unit shooting on juggle versus hide and get that locked um i have a movie i'm producing in maryland called the choice that uh looks to maybe start production next month uh we do have Eric Roberts attached for a voice cameo. Uh, oh, nice. Takes, takes place in a an escape room. So, uh, and he's sort of the voice of the movie's uh, jigsaw style character. So, oh, he'd be, he'd be great for something like that. He has a very uh, distinct voice. Yeah. So, got that, and you know, I'm I'm working on some some. Uh, material myself that I'm trying to put together some shoots after things things die down. Nothing that's really announced yet, but I I'm really hoping to be able to shoot the last uh, couple segments for my Frightmares anthology as well, so that can be locked finally. So, yep, keep keep moving forward, keep looking forward, keep fighting, and don't give up because it'll it'll things will eventually die down things will eventually change and you know one day though everything will go back to normal so we just have to stay positive wait, and protect wait, ourselves normal. what what's what's what's, what's what is normal <laughs> i want you to explain, explain to me what, what this normal is that you speak of the new normal <laughs> what we'll find on the other side so <laughs> 
Well, until next time, this has been Cinema Degenerations Howling at the Full Moon. You've been listening to your host, which is me, uh, Cameron Scott, and my co-host, Dustin Hubbard. You can find us here again probably in a couple weeks. I'm not sure what we're going to be reviewing next, but you can be sure that it'll be more full moon goodness. Two kinds of people I know about, little man. The kind that kiss their pants when you kill them, and the kind that don't. Now, which kind do you think you are? Yes, sir.